Good morning, everybody. This is Jack Crane along with John Peterson down in Portland, uh, our co-host, uh, my co-host, uh, whatever you want to call it, for We Talk Photo, another um, another issue uh, recording today with the one and the only Guy Tal, who has a new book out. And, you know, Guy, I have to tell you one thing. I hope we can get you back on here before your next book. It seems like <laughs> between your schedule and our schedule, the only time we actually make time for this is when you have a new book out. And and uh, and uh, I appreciate appreciate the time out of uh, wherever you're heading. And we're going to ask you about that in a minute too. Um, anyhow, Guy Tal is here, and uh, we're going to talk about his new book called "Another Day Wasted." Um, I called Guy yesterday. And uh, I asked him, I, I got, he sent me a, a copy of the book and I asked him why he didn't have a chapter about me in it. And, and then I realized that if he did that, he'd have to call it another day wasted. <laughs> so anyhow, it's a pleasure to have you guy as always. And it's been too long. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate you guys doing it. And the book title is Another Day Not Wasted, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. My book would be Another Day Wasted. Right? Yeah. Anyway, another, it's great day, to be here. Another, another Day Not Wasted. And the picture on the front cover is uh, is one of my favorite images of yours. That's, that's not a new photograph, though, is it? Uh, probably a few years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly the year, but... Uh... Yeah, yep. it's, a, it's a place that's really special for me, and it's really interesting because uh, originally we had a different image picked up for the cover, and I just didn't like the way that it turned out. And uh, you know, I have a, a cottonwood in, in fall colors on the cover of my previous book too, and mm-hmm. so I was thinking, well, should I do it again on the next book? And then I thought, hey, that could be my my signature. That it's could be my theme. Problem. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. I'm looking at it now. It's it, it's. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I look up on my wall uh, here in my office where I have m- images by other photographers. I'll get sick of looking at my stuff. And I'm looking at a couple of your images here. And as always, they're, they're always uh, inspiring. Um, anyhow, and I'm not, not just saying that, but Guy and I, Guy and I go back in a, a while. And we, John and I and Guy have done a few podcasts already. If you haven't heard, you can go back into the archives here and listen to them. But um John, why don't you kick off a couple of questions for Guy, and we'll get Guy to talk about, um, you know, the particulars on why he decided to do a book called Another Day Not Wasted. For sure, for sure. Um, you, you know, Guy, the the obvious question is what uh, what's the book about, and why that title? I I love the title of this book, and and it's it's really kind of almost a call to action in a way of uh, of you know, just another day not wasted. Usually we hear the exact opposite of another day wasted. And, uh, this is, this is really kind of an intriguing title for me. And, uh, so give us a little background. Why, why this book, why this topic? Sure. So, uh, you guys know, probably your listeners would know that I, I write a lot of essays about photography. Uh, and so that, that, that's, Part of my medium is both photography and writing essays. And my previous book was called uh, More Than a Rock, which was based on a, a, the words of Edward Weston, where he said, you know, to photograph something, have it look like a rock, but be more than a rock. Uh, and so I kind of built on the, a similar format. I wanted to have another book of essays, uh, which I had a bunch that accumulated since I wrote the last 
one, uh, and I've added a couple of new ones. Um, but there's also this overriding theme where it's now been long enough since I left my previous uh, corporate career, um, and I've I've had a, to do a little bit of soul searching in the last few years. You know, just kind of thinking uh, I was feeling really bad, I was sick, and I was thinking about how my life unfolded and some of the choices that I've made. Uh, and that to me is one of those choices that I would always consider as one of my best ones is uh, leaving that corporate, that urban life, and and becoming a, a full time artist with all the risks that are involved. You know, I'm not not independently wealthy by any means. Um, and so for me, uh, what immediately clicked was, you know, in my early experiences right after leaving the the office job, uh, I would be out in the landscape sometimes, you know, on, on a weekday on some crazy faraway place. And usually at the end of the day, after a good hike, after I got some good, some good images and I felt, you know, man, I'm, I'm really living. This is really something. And the thought just kind of popped into my head, you know, another day not wasted, sort of in contrast to all these days that I spent, you know, at the office looking longingly out the window at a, at a parking lot or something like that. Um, and then I, I read something by the poet uh, Charles Bukowski, and that, that's in the, the introduction to the book, explaining where the title came from. And he he worked a lot of odd jobs. Uh, he was, a, a, I think, a working at the post office at some point, and he was extremely depressed. And at some point, uh, a wealthy uh, patron decided to uh, give him a, a stipend so he could quit his day job and write poetry for a living and years later after he's become a very famous poet he wrote a letter back to his uh, benefactor to thank him for uh, you know helping make his life what it is and that's that's uh, the words that he uses to not have entirely wasted my life uh, i think he said is a, a great accomplishment um, i can i can look up the exact words but anyway that's where the title came from so even though the book is about a lot of different themes uh the, the one theme that kind of runs through all of it is you know it, it was worth it for me, making that transition and becoming this person that I am now. Uh, it took a lot of risk, took a lot of work, wasn't always easy, but I can say today, almost any day, this day was not wasted, and that's something that I didn't have before. Yeah, you know, we, uh, oh, go ahead, we, we, we we talked about, you know, in, in finding a topic or topics to talk about here, Guy, that that we that haven't been covered in some of your previous interviews with us and with other podcast uh, folks, and um, you know, I mean, leaving leaving security is is really for a lot of people something that I don't think is talked about enough, and I think it's uh, I, I think it's scary for a lot of people, but I think that. I think that it's something that once you get past the, you know, the initial, the initial hump, I, I, I really think, I think you'll live longer, frankly, uh, as long as you don't turn the, the news and things on. Um, but leaving security and uh, and doing something that you like, um, and I told my kids, I said, at some point in your life. Everybody needs to do that at least once. Maybe it's not going to work, and maybe you have to go back. But at least you know, don't have regrets that you never did that. Does that make any sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And and actually, I would say it's that risk is is part of what uh what ups the ante. It's part of what makes it so meaningful and so rich. Is you know, it's not it's not going to be an easy choice. If it was an easy choice, everybody would do it, and it wouldn't be as meaningful. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that risk actually enhances it. And understandably, you know, different people have different circumstances, different uh, opportunities. So not everybody can do it. Not everybody has the personality for it. But for me, it was always obvious to me that I I. Need 
needed I needed to do this, and uh, just just finding finding the courage to do it for me was also very affirming for myself to know that I have it in me to be that person. Um, so yeah, the risk is is part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the other thing too, and and both uh, I think all of us are getting to a certain age too, is uh, realizing how short life is, and and mm-hmm. trying to put enough richness into our lives, even on a daily yep. basis. And, you know, it's so easy these days to see how quickly we can waste days with one thing after another and, uh, and, and to have a, a kind of a mission and, and just to have a rich day every single day is, uh, is, is a wonderful goal. Absolutely. And also you see the, I think these days we're seeing very, very clearly just the rate of change in the world and how unpredictable and sudden things are. Uh, You know, I I can think of things that I could do, you know, places I could go, things I could do, you know, 10 years ago that I can't do anymore, either because I physically can't do them or because the places have changed or because the world has changed or, uh, yeah, so so things are constantly evolving. You can't really say, well, you know, I'm going to do it in another 10 years when I've save some money or it's just sometimes you just never get the chance yeah. Yeah, you, you know have. you know on that on that you know when i read um I, I don't know if this is good or bad guy but when i read a book like yours and even the other ones i i rarely read the, the chapters in order I, t- I tend to look at the titles and then kind of say well this looks like i should read this now and yeah, so, and actually, that, that's uh, that's that's sort of by design. Is you know that that's one reason why I didn't like the the one long continuous narrative. Why I really like essays. Uh, so, for example, this book is divided into four sections, and I've had people who don't have as much interest in photography as I do just jump to the last couple of sections, which are more philosophical, talking, speaking, or writing, uh, and descriptions of my experiences in the wild, uh, and not necessarily directly related to photography so i'm, I'm kind of hoping that you know different people will find something worthwhile in it not necessarily the the photography not necessarily in the order that it's presented so yeah it's it's designed to be read you know not contiguously and and, and i read the, the first the very first chapter i read was the one uh i think it's in the 30s it's called the wonder of life mm-hmm. which sounds like a great title for a, a, a new uh Pat Metheny, <laughs> but but it was really poignant, and and it reminded me of a couple of those days where you know when we used to run that workshop down in Sierra years ago. We all get together a couple of days before, and you know we obviously weren't alone. You know, so you and I and Michael and some other people, but you know it was really great waking up out in the middle of nowhere there and and uh, kind of. Just it was real free. It was real. Uh, uh, what's the word? It was very cathartic. You know, it was. Uh, it, I, I think it had to do just with just with being in a place and not worrying about time. And coincidentally, I'm actually doing another art blog article. It's going to be up in a week or so on time and how time is really an enemy of creativity in a way. And could you just talk about? I don't know if you remember that chapter about oh, the wonder of life. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I, can, I, I was just looking at the book. I can open right to that. Uh, let, let me just, uh, as, as I'm looking for it, uh, page 181. Um, 
Yeah, so for me, I, I've always known for me that these experiences were extremely meaningful. You know, since my earliest memory, I was always, a, you know, a nature child. I was always out roaming around in the field. That was my favorite thing to do. You know, I would go to school, I would do my homework, and then I would just go out and play, which unfortunately kids today don't really do much of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for me, going outside to play was the thing that I liked most. And then as I evolved, Involved. You know, nature played such a major role in my life and my times outdoor have always been the most meaningful. And then as an adult, you know, at some point I just realized, you know, I've, I've lost I've lost the, the, the experience, but I haven't lost the capacity to appreciate that experience. I was still that child inside. And every time I would go out to some beautiful natural place, I would kind of get reminders of, you know, just how meaningful these things were to me. And that was a very powerful driver for me as I wanted to see how much of that I could restore into my life. How much time could I really spend outside? And I can say now, looking at the last, you know, at least 10 years, if not more than that, is I, I probably spend more time outside alone in beautiful natural environments than any person that I know. Uh, and for me, that that's a formidable accomplishment. That's not something I ever dreamed I could do when I was, you know, in, in the, caught in the career track and, and uh, you know, just being beholden to a lot of different things. So I've, in a sense, freed myself of, of that world and, and found that, uh, that, that, that meaningfulness again. Do you find it um, when when you when you write? Uh, and I know you do, you know, lens work and a bunch of other things. Um, when you know you have to sit down and write, does the the words flow, or sometimes you you're thinking I'd rather be up in that canyon? Uh, well, I'm I'm the most. Uh chaotically minded person that I know too so you know some days I can wake up in the morning and if I'm in the right state of mind I can crank out you know 3,000 perfectly edited words almost effortlessly and then I can go through two weeks where I can barely write a single sentence so it's it's very unpredictable for me I just work when when I can and when I do I work a lot but sometimes I just can't do anything hmm. yeah I, I know that feeling I think you're much better at it than way much better at it than I am. But there's just, you know, it's like I remember when I was in the music business, you had, you know, good days and bad days. You just yeah. wanted to avoid good months and bad months. Yeah, and that's part of the risk of creative work is you, you can't be creative on demand. You have to you have to create the situation where, you know, you might get a creative epiphany, but it's never guaranteed. Uh, and yeah, yeah, so for me, I realize, you know, I got to strike while the while the iron's hot. So when I feel inspired, when I have the, the words or the photo or something, I, I have to sit down and do it right then or at least write myself some reminder that I might forget later. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so I realized for me, it's not something that, you know, I could plan on, you know, cranking out a certain number of words per week or per month. It's I knew that I just had to give myself as much opportunity as possible. So at least some of the time I'll be able to do enough of it uh, to get by. For sure. Hey, guy, you know, when you're kind of continuing on that same theme, when you're stuck, you know, when you're not feeling the creative flow of, of words or, or creativity, um, but you know you have something that needs to be delivered, let's say with one of your articles that you need to deliver to one of your magazines. I mean, are, are there things that you can do to help sort of jumpstart your creativity or do you just have to sit and wait and let it flow naturally? 
Yes, I guess the short answer is no. And I've actually researched it quite a bit. And I have, you know, my own experiences is, uh, you know, there's there's almost nothing you can do to cut through a, a, a creative rut. And I know people have different, uh, you know, different advice. I, I don't think scientifically that there's any reliable solution for that. And I think if you try, the harder you try, the more you're going to sabotage your efforts. Uh, so sometimes you really have to allow yourself to become distracted by other things and just wait for that creative incubation, that, that unconscious part of the creative process to happen uh, before you suddenly have, you know, the light bulb go off and say, all right, Right now, I know what I want. Um, so the the one thing that I'm well, two things that I'm fortunate about is, is uh, one, I was able to design my my lifestyle and my process such that. I allow myself enough time to do it. There's pretty much nothing in my business model that requires me to do things on deadline or on short notice. Um, and then uh, the the other part of it is I have I have enough material accumulated over the years. You know, some that I started writing and, and dropped, some ideas that I've had that I noted down and didn't do much with that so that I can use that as a seed. So if I absolutely have to get you an article by tomorrow, I'm not starting from complete scratch. I have at least some starter, some seeds that I can build on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me, one of the best things is just to let go, you know, let yeah. go, go do something else. I mean, it's and then I, I have a I have a little seed of an idea intubated in the back of my brain and I just let it marinate back there. And then eventually when it's ready, it'll come forward and come out. Yep. But I yes. And then that if you read the it. yeah, if you read some of the science around the creative process, that 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 part that's called incubation it's completely unconscious you don't know that it's happening but your brain is working on it it's churning on it even when you're sleeping and so it's not that you you're being lazy and you're not actually working there's some things that your brain has to do without control without even knowing that they're happening oh, yeah. before the things oh, yeah. come to the front you know even going back yeah. you know, what, to our corporate life though just one second jack is there you know there was times that i would schedule thinking time to just sit there and do, almost do nothing and just sit and let everything sort of process and organize itself in my brain before I could move forward. And that was a regular work activity for me. And I still do it today. Yeah. Just have downtime. Yeah, nope. and I think that's getting harder today because a lot of work environment are extremely hectic and multitasking. And all those things prevent you from doing things really well. You're just cranking on volume instead of uh, doing high-quality detail work. You know, one of the things that, that uh, I, I don't think, you know, when we teach uh, workshops, a guy I know that when we work together, we kind of got into some of this, but you can't get into too much because it's pretty heavy stuff. But I, I don't think that we understand as artists, and this goes for musicians and writers and painters and whatever kind of art that you're in, I, I don't think that people spend enough i sure spend enough time understanding how what little we know about our how our brain works and yeah and, and you know i look you know i think about some of the things we talked about and you know i think that if if we did that more uh people would get away from making photographs that are just you know um of things that they've seen rather than stories and expressive, uh, you know, um, things that they're generating in, a, in more of an artistic way. Does that, that make any sense? 
Yeah, and unfortunately, there's all kinds of incentives to do that too, right? There's competitions, there's social media likes, there's popularity. All those things kind of prompt people to say, well, let's forget about all the deep stuff. If I can get a quote-unquote good shot that people would like or that someone will buy, then I'm just going to do that. But what you're doing when you do that is you end up cheating yourself out of that creative experience. You might get something that's popular. You might get something that sells. Uh, but you know, on balance, when you consider these benefits versus the benefits of having a really deep, meaningful, rich experience, uh, you know, it's it's a much it's a much greater and longer lasting benefit. It's not just that you enjoy yourself more or get more meaning out of the experience itself, but you also build the memory of it. And you later on, you can think about it every time you look at that image. It's it's meaningful to you. So it's not just you know I, I made. 10 good images or I made just one good image in a week. Uh, as long as you can pay your bills, the, the volume, at least for me, doesn't doesn't matter that much because the, the only reason that I left a lucrative corporate job to do this is because I wanted these experiences. So, yeah, if I if I shortcut that and just go for obvious pretty pictures for for popularity or to win contests or things like that. I, I would be cheating myself uh, primarily, and uh, that that to me is always important to keep in the in the forefront. You know, I had a group up at Rainier uh, in early August, and uh, it, we did two things. We obviously went to uh, Reflection Lake for a sunrise, <clears throat> and uh, there was another group there, and uh, and um, and and I I was just watching people spending so much time and adjusting their cameras and, you know, looking at what F-stop they were and looking at their menus and moving things up and down. And, and they spent no time looking to, to, to see what they wanted to photograph. It was an amazing thing. Yeah. And then everybody, you know, we all, you all got the, the image, you know, with the reflection in the morning. And then I yelled over at everybody. I said, all right, folks, no more pretty pictures. We're done with pretty pictures. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think in photography, we also have this other force where there, there's so much talk about gear and technique and locations and, and marketing and all kinds of incidental things uh, that people end up spending way too much time on it and not really realizing that one of the great gifts of photography is how easy it is. Once you get, you know, some basic understanding of focus and exposure, you're ready to start expressing yourself creatively. You can make that shift and then learn the rest as you go along. Uh, you don't have to, you know, learn and perfect your technique for, for decades and apprentice and all these things that artists and other media have to do. You can shortcut all that, but then what ends up happening is people take the shortcut and they just stay there. They never switch back to their creative, independent, uh, you know, mode of, of visual expression they just get stuck in the, the the treadmill of you know gear and technique and and, and processing and then locations and I think a lot uh, too guy not, not to cut you off but but i think what's really sad is is we're conditioned as humans now to have devices in front of us to occupy our brains you know yep. be it phones and cameras are just a replacement for a phone when we're out in the field and people are so habituated to having this technology in front of us and it's a it's a little, dare I say this, it's a little bit of a shield for a lot of people from experiencing and being connected to where they're at because it, it when you let down the veil of this, this shield, this, this technology, when that goes away, you have to look at yourself and you have to look at your Absolutely. own experience and be connected. And a lot of people are scared of doing that. They just, they don't know how to do it. Or they don't want and it's to really it. ironic. Yeah, it's really ironic because I think 
think a lot of people go to nature and go to creative pursuits specifically so they can regain some of that connection and then mindfulness and quiet. But then you go into this experience bringing the distraction with you. So you can't escape distractions if you're bringing them along with you. Um, so, yeah, if you want to escape the distraction and relax and then calm down and connect with nature you have to turn off the distraction you, you do or you know but, but but i love the way you said it you know photography is easy it's you know once you have the basic understanding of exposure you need to move past that technology distraction and just be in that environment yes you have this tool but it's really about feeling your environment and being connected to that and having that rich experience that oh yeah and you can also capture it with a camera Right. And and just think, you know, let's say that, you know, you buy a camera, you've never done anything in photography, you, you buy some books, you go online, you watch some video, I would say, you know, conservatively, within a few weeks, you should know enough about how to work your camera, that you can make good photographs, and then you can start shifting toward some creative expression. And I think, for example, if you want to be a violinist or if you want to be a musical composer, you think you can do that in a few weeks? No way. So photography allows you to make the jump over the those technical hurdles very quickly. So if you want to be expressive, you can get there a lot faster than you can in other media. But you have to do it consciously. You have to decide this is it. I now know how to work my camera. Sure, there's always going to be more to learn, but you can pick that You know, as you run into challenges. You can learn that. But the important part is for you to be uh, visually expressive, to do something meaningful with a camera. And I don't think uh, many photographers make that mental conscious switch. No, they take the easy way out and they... One of the real problems, God, you know, I think people, people's work, you know, I always used to kid, I still kid people. I say, you know, I, I listen to a lot of music because of my background and I enjoy it. And you can't fake good playing. You can either, you either play or you don't play. I mean, you can't fake that. You can't manipulate that. And you can't, you can't Photoshop a good, a good musician, you know? And I think people in photography are being, their skills are being evaluated on their ability to process and their ability to, you know, uh, manipulate the image in the camera before they even take it, you know, if they want yeah. to do that. Yeah, but and this is also. Skills. Yeah, there's another good analogy to music is in music, you start off by learning to do everything accurately, right? To hit every note exactly right. But then once you learn that technique, then you go off to, to improvise and, and to personalize it and to interpret the music, not exactly, you know, note by note as it's written. And I think in photography, people strive for that technical perfection, technical accuracy, and they don't realize that. This is really just a skill that you need to learn is how to be technically accurate when you need it. But the expressive part is not in the accuracy. It's not in it's not in getting the your processing right. It's not in getting your pixel values right. It's in your composition. It's in the emotions in your photographs. It's in, it's in the way that you express yourself to, to others if others understand the moods or the experiences that you're trying to communicate to them. And that requires departing from technical perfection. That that requires you know some subjective personal interpretation. So something of, of the artist's mind that that's not just you can't really learn just by following directions it does and you know the other day i, I listened down in my my listening room area to about six different um versions of a tune called all the things you are it's a great tune so people say it's one of the greatest orchestrated tunes ever written harmonically and melodically and all six of them were vastly different 
and they were all great. But in photography, you see so many people trying to just take the same morning shot of Reflection Lake and getting and 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 then going and processing it. And which brings me to another chapter that I'd like you to talk about briefly here before it, we get uh, too far in here, and that's the uh, the chapter called the difficult thing hmm. remember that one? Oh yeah um and, and, and that, that really talks about exactly what we just we exactly just that's why I, I i kind of brought that in and you know how did you how did you i mean you didn't just wake up one day and and uh and become the artist that you are um and there's no you know, there's no recipe for that. But maybe could you just talk a little bit about how you got to the point that you are now in in, in, in two hours or less? <laughs> two hours or less. Uh, well, you know, the, the, the old cliche is it's a journey, and, and I, I can definitely speak to that. But uh, part of it being a journey is uh, don't allow yourself to get stuck. See, for me, once I figure something out, once I feel like I've done something meaningful – there's no point in me continuing to do the same thing over and over again. I'm, I get pretty obsessive. I like to constantly learn new things. I like to constantly try new things. Uh, and then every now and then, it also requires you know having the humility to say you know that thing that I believed that I until this point is it might not actually be true. Uh, you know things that you believe about yourself, things that you believe about your work, things that you believe. About about what photography should be, you know, should, is it okay to process things a certain way? Should, should I be really working in color or black and white? It's to constantly question yourself and not just take for granted that, that you have found, you know, the one formula that's absolute perfect, best photography that can ever be. So for me, I like to try different things. When I read, you know, articles uh, you know, that are more philosophical, I always ask myself, well, what if they're right? And if I disagree with them, then am I right? Are they right? Should I change my mind? Should I change the way that I do think? And that's the only way to evolve is to not become set in your way. And if you uh, if you look at scientific studies, uh, psychological studies of creativity, you will see that creativity is highly correlated with a personality trait called openness to experience. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. That's being always being willing to try new things, always being willing to question the things the way you've done it, if that's really the best way to do it. Uh, people who are not open to experience generally are not very creative. They, they, they find some comfortable need niche or something that you know they they know how to do and and they don't venture out of out of that they don't you know the, the, the old trope you know they don't get out of the box uh but but that's that's a personality trait that you know obviously people are born or educated or grow up into it but that's also something that you can consciously make yourself more open you know try to transcend your boundaries try to question yourself try to do things you haven't tried before always give things you know fair a chance like well what what if this type of photography or this type of expression is works for me what if you know i'm gonna be a good writer if i give it a try give it a try um yeah so, so i think this openness is an important uh, personality trait to cultivate and not not just to be more creative but i think i think eventually it will end up making your life in general better because you you will consider more possibilities and if you consider more, more possibilities inevitably every now and then you will find something that's better than the way that you've been doing things to that point Okay, that's uh, beautiful. I mean, I loved, I loved the way you described that, and and especially around the openness to new experiences and trying new things. Kind of taking that and tying that back to the risk conversation that we had earlier. You know, a lot of people, 
uh, you know, they're they're comfortable in in the the photographs that they make or their creative art that they make, and and to try new things potentially threatens that comfort and threatens mm-hmm. that um, that feeling of accomplishment. And so, how do you deal with you know, because it's risky to try new things because we're inevitably going to fail at them. So, how do you manage that risk yourself in in uh, in trying these new things? Yeah, so I actually mentioned that in the opening of the first uh, paragraph or the first uh, chapter of this book is for me, it's just preemptively accepting that I'm going to fail at some things. So it's not devastating. I'm going to go into it knowing, hey, there's a chance it's not going to work. And if it's not going to work, it would still have been worth trying and I'm just going to move on. And then uh, just going to something saying, yeah, I'm absolutely got to go all in and work as hard as I possibly can to accomplish it. And if I don't, it's going to be devastated and I would have failed and that's just it really takes a a change of attitude toward failure because failure is part of any creative activity in fact if a person who does not fail regularly should take that as a warning sign that they're not being very creative and you know maybe that's good if you're I don't know an accountant although you know accountants do some pretty creative things let's be honest Uh, but uh, but you know as as an artist though creativity is is your your bread and butter it, uh, you know it's the most part one of the most rewarding things having to do with art so just allow yourself to fail just accept in advance that some things are just not going to work but they're still worth trying because you learn from your successes and from your failures that's, so you, you get that's better that's what no I was going to say that failures even in in my book failures a, a success in a way because I learned something from it you know, it's that, it's that old quote around Thomas, you know, how many times did Thomas Edison create the light bulb or something like that? You know, mm-hmm. and he did it like a thousand times, but, you know, it only took one to work. And yeah, he, actually learned, he learned yeah. from each each time he failed, he learned. And that's that's the motto that I try to follow as well is it's always a learning experience. Yeah, I think he has this famous saying where he said, you know, I, I didn't succeed once. I found 10,000 things, 10,000 ways to fail, something like that. I discovered 10,000 things that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah same thing. I, 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 hope, I, hope I, never, uh, I hope I never have a... Uh, some kind of like a, a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon yeah. failing on me and learning. Yeah. He could learn on somebody. Else. But that's the thing. So it's not hard and fast. There are certain things that you absolutely want to stick to. to yeah. In, in, things as accurately and predictably impossible but art is not one of those things art is kind of the opposite of that art is hey if you fail you fail you try something else it's, you know nobody's gonna die and uh you know you might not get the likes on facebook but let's face it that's not that big of a deal and you know the biggest advances in art came from people who did things that were n- not well understood or well accepted in their day because they weren't afraid. It was more important for them to try new things. Uh, and sometimes that wasn't even recognized in their own lifetime. The funny thing is, guys, I, I've actually had folks on my on my workshops that when we were doing image reviews, they some the smart ones put some images and they weren't sure about and they didn't like them. And I, I actually thought they were pretty good, but you know, it's all subjective and you know, failure to one is yeah. is sometimes success to the other. <clears throat> um, you know, before we uh, the last question I have about your your book here is, you know, again it's divided into rather than ask you what's your favorite um, thing, it would be an unfair question when you probably couldn't answer. But there are four sections here. One one's called mm-hmm. Supreme Test, and one's called Inside Out. Uh, the examine life and days not wasted. Of the mm-hmm. four, 
can you is there one of those four that really was more important to you than the other or or not uh yeah so so i mean there's two perspectives here right there's in any kind of creative work there's the perspective of the person that creates the work and then there's a perspective of the people that view and consume the work uh so for me as the creator i I have both the the experiences of of you know knowing what i want to say and the creative experience so yeah for me by far the more enjoyable things to write were those last two sections is you know just thinking philosophically about things and my experiences outdoors that that's the very reason that i do what i do so i I both enjoy doing those things and i enjoy writing about them but at the same time i'm also a very passionate photographer and and it's important for me to try to relate to people how to get to that richness of experience through the medium of photography not necessarily because photography is the, the only way to do it but it's the way that worked for me it's the way that i discovered and i think it's very unique among expressive media because it's widely available to pretty much anybody you know you don't have to put in 10 years of, of figuring out you know how to how to play the the violin and and you know learn i don't know how many hundreds of, of you know classical compositions before you you're good enough to get up on stage and perform in photography you don't have to do that it's available you can grab a camera figure out how it works and just go out and express yourself find things that you can do with it Uh, and i think that's a wonderful thing about photography yeah well i tell you i i think back to those days where i used to practice and practice and practice and and then you know i mean you had to play you didn't play you didn't get hired and man it was it was crazy, but you know. So you're leaving again um, here always. in a couple of days. Am I correct? I'm always leaving again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the way my life is structured. Well, you're, yeah. you're not. You're not wasting days. No. So where are you heading this week? Uh, well, there's some uh, big storms in the forecast. So I want to situate myself somewhere with a big view where I can see them coming in. You, you probably know that you've been here yep. in the, this yep. desert when the, the big monsoon storms come in. If you have a big, long view to watch them coming in, it's extremely dramatic, and I, I love doing that. And what do, what do you take? What are you taking with you gear-wise on this trip? Uh, well, camera gear, I generally keep my kit really simple. I usually have, uh, you know, one main camera, one backup camera, and a couple of zoom lenses. Uh, nothing exotic, nothing, you know, larger than normal format. It's just, yeah, affordable uh, uh, mirrorless camera with a couple of zoom lenses. I just need to be able to get my composition, and I need to be able to get enough pixels to make a print. Everything else is completely meaningless to me. But I would tell you, you know, as far far as the things that are important to my experience i can give you a much longer list that has nothing to do with photography right i mean i would take my uh 12 inch cast iron pan just because i can make amazing food on it and that's part of my outdoor camping experience so for Mm -hmm. me it's it's much bigger than just i'm going out to photograph it's like no i'm going out and yeah if there'll be something to photograph i'll photograph but the whole experience you know where i'm gonna be what i'm gonna see what i'm gonna eat where i'm gonna hike you know my dog being with me uh, for me that those are that's the privilege uh that I get as, as a creative artist having the freedom to do those things that you know might not be available to a viewer. The viewer only gets to see the the pinnacles of my creative experiences. But for me, it's about how I live my life. Well, I I certainly would recommend for those of you who are listening to this that are maybe sitting in a cubicle, if you have to, by all means, you know, do what you need to do to survive. But at some point in your life, try it. 
try to do it doesn't it doesn't have to be photography it could be you know if you like making birdhouses you know break away and do what you want at least once in your life and i, I guarantee you you're not gonna regret it you know um Guy, do we leave anything out? Uh, is the book is shipping, correct? Or yeah, the book is shipping. I'm already sending copies uh, that are purchased directly on my, my website. Uh, it's also listed on Amazon, and they should be start. They should be starting to ship copies in the next few days. I hope they they already received their shipment, so they they're just getting it through their uh, their process. Well, not that not not that there's anything, you know. When I say I like this book better than your other books, it does not mean that the other books weren't great as well but I, I don't know i just really enjoyed when you write i can it's like we're sitting talking in this book to me it's it's it, i've heard some of it before and i never can get enough of it really and I, I just would really recommend even if you're not a photographer if you're just um just an ordinary person to you'll get a lot out of this Yep. This it's writing about, here. It's about, you know, the richness of life and, and really taking a hold and, and trying to make your life as, as rich as possible. And I think for anybody, regardless of their creative outlet, if even if they don't have one, having a rich life is is uh, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. We're very, yeah, very lucky was, people. Yeah, for me, it was important. I didn't want this to be, you know, like a self-help book or full of, you know, cheap platitudes. It's like, hey, you know, this actually worked for me and it might work for you, too. Well, you know what? <laughs> it just might. So I can't uh, recommend it enough. So can I, you have to make me a promise that we will get back together here before your next book. Are you starting a new book or you have any? Uh, yes, actually, I've already got a list of articles and, you know, I, I have some of the content already in different places. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely starting to. Good, I'm for even wow. Good for you. Good, good for you. Well, anyhow, uh, uh, it was a real pleasure having you here today. And, um, for those of you who uh, want to get in contact with Guy to buy a book, it's GuyTal.com mm -hmm. uh, or, or on Amazon, either way. But please pick this uh, book up. And again, thank you for being here. Folks, we'll have some show notes up. We'll have some links, of course, here. If you want to click on them, you, you'll be able to buy the book. Uh, I don't think we need to put more of Guy his work up he's, he's easy to find he's a, he's it's it, it, he's one of the more easier photographers to locate these days and, but please check it out and uh, and I thank you again for being here we talk photo.com uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on all the big podcast sites uh, and if you have any uh, uh, questions or ideas for interviewees you can send them to we talk photo at gmail.com and we'll uh, certainly do our best to, uh, to to follow up on those john did i leave anything out it's monday no, sir. You nailed it as usual wow that's a good sign monday it before is. noon is usually not the best thing for 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 me but at any rate guy have a great time where you're going um i hope the weather is really crappy <laughs> thank you and thank you very much for, for the opportunity I, I love being a guest on your show I appreciate okay, it okay good luck with the book thank you thanks guy bye bye everybody right, bye bye